welcome to a special edition Balmore Brothers podcast. I'm your host, Philip, And I'm your other host, Jacob. And we felt that the new release of Logan deserved its own little segment. We had just too much to talk about to fit it into a regular episode, so we're going to review it here for you now. So from time to time, we're going to do stuff like this, little special segments. This Logan talk is going to be split up into two parts. The first half is going to be our regular review and a little bit of coverage on Logan. The second half is going to be a spoiler cast where we go into a little bit more detail. We'll let you guys know when that happens. So if you haven't seen the film yet, you can obviously cut out at that part. But without further ado, Jake, let's talk Logan. So Logan's been out for what I want to say is, is what, a week or two weeks now, Jake? Two weeks. Okay, so Logan's been out for two weeks. I saw it yesterday, so I'm pretty late to the crowd, but when I asked you what you thought about it, you said it transcends the genre, and I rolled my eyes because it was such a classic, pretentious Jake thing to say, but it actually kind of does. It, it really <laughs> is so exceptionally made, and and for a lot of reasons, you know, it's almost unfair to benchmark some other superhero films when you're looking at a film like Logan that has a character or cast of characters that we have grown to love over 20 years. So you can't really replicate replicate that out of the box. But the acting is outstanding. The characters are fantastic as far as not just how they're written and how they're acted, but just their motivations. And Logan, the kind of dance that he goes through throughout the film leading to the point where where it does at the end where he kind of gets to where he is and how you kind of see him change as a person is really in line with the character that he's been this whole time so they didn't turn their backs on the logan that we love the introduction of that new young girl who plays x23 was really good and her character also grows throughout the film so it's it's fun to see kind of where she goes Uh, The best thing about that film, or one of the best things, was just the banter between Charles and Logan, right? Like, I think if you know about X-Men, you you get the vibe that there is kind of a a really strange father-son relationship going on there, and they do uh, an incredible job of exploring that in this film. So, overall, I was really happy with it, and in the spoiler cast, I guess we'll talk about our feelings going forward for the series, but... What were your non-spoiler impressions of Logan? I thought it was, uh, how about this for an adjective? Marvelous. <laughs> oh, topping me on the on the dad joke front, I see. Hey, you know, gotta do the old man proud. Um, so, I, I did, you know, I still stand by the whole transcends to genre thing. What I was thinking of there wasn't necessarily that it was an incredible movie, although it is an incredible movie. My thought there was really just more like, if you took away all the mutant powers, this would still be a very profound Western kind of story, um, which is what it's largely based on. I know a lot of the production interviews, they talk about Westerns like Shane, and you actually get to see snippets of Shane in the movie as kind of a nod to the fact that they're like, yeah, this is this is kind of where we, we took this idea from. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to cut you off, but I did want to say something about that. And and now that you say it, I didn't realize this at the time. But when the film starts and the soundtrack kind of kicks in, uh, Marco Beltrami, the guy who did the music for this movie, he also did one of my favorite Westerns, which is the remake of 310 to Yuma with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. And so the music 
especially when it picks up in the action sequences, has this really cool kind of twang, weird guitar. Like, you know, just the instruments used are very Western or, you know, Mexican or Southwest or something. And then obviously that plays into the plot of the film. I don't know if that's why they chose Beltrami, but he did a good job of conveying that. I completely agree. It just, it really was. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal film. We knew going into this movie that it was going to be Hugh Jackman's last time as Wolverine. Um, He said as much in several interviews. And then coming out of the premiere weekend, Patrick Stewart had said that he thought this was this is going to be his last bout um, as Xavier as well, because both of them just felt like they did such a tremendous job at conveying their characters that this is when to get out. Um, and uh, I actually watched a, an interview with Jack Benny where he talked about his conversation with uh, Jerry Seinfeld actually, and he said, you know, Jerry, when did you know it was time to to give up the show? And Jerry was like, well, it was at this point in the, I don't know, eighth or ninth season or whatever, where I just felt like, you know, it's not like it was necessarily at the height of his comedic routine or whatever, but he didn't want to run it into the ground. He didn't want to run out of material or things to say with his character, with his stand-up. So he, you know, drew the show to a close and recommended that that, uh, Jackman take a similar stance. So I think... Jackman really kind of took that to heart and he actually for those of you that aren't aware like kind of came up with the idea of this of course you know it's based loosely on the old man logan graphic novel but a lot of the other the the westernization of it and all was actually uh Jackman's idea and he kind of pitched it to uh James Mangold who's the director and you know Mangold was like dude that's that's awesome let's get something together and and he wrote the screen and they pitched it to you know the studio and both of them just kind of were like you know we don't think that they'll go for this but they totally did and it ended up being absolutely beautiful and uh so i'm really i'm really happy that that we got that kind of uh closure to these these actors in these roles oftentimes we don't get that with series because actors move on um or they're recast because of you know budget issues or whatever or just you know that they rub the director the wrong way so you know we've got one person playing war machine in one mcu film and it's somebody else in the next one or the hulk has been like three different people or so it was really cool they get to go out on their own terms basically exactly they go out on their own terms and you know these actors have been xavier and wolverine from the beginning in in 1999 2000 right um cast in 99 the movie came out in 2000 all the way through here it's 17 years later and so to be able to, to have the entire arc of the character underneath your auspices is something that... I, I mean, I honestly can't think of any other movie franchise that ran this long that had the same actor or actress at the helm of all of those titles. I mean, even, you know, the Bond films had several different people. Maybe the Alien movies, you know, with Sigourney Weaver, but I don't, I don't think that was 17 years or even if we don't think about it in terms of years, just like numbers of titles. So if you include cameos, 
Jackman as Logan in nine films. If you disclude cameos, then it's still seven films. And like, what other actors can say that they were, they typified a character for, for seven films over 17 years. So, a really big achievement. I'm really happy for both Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman. And I, I just can't say enough nice things about, about this production. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you say it transcends the genre, what that really means is if you watch a movie and you come out of it and you say, that was a good superhero movie, then that's okay. But then you you can watch a movie like Logan and you come out of it and you're like, that was just a good movie. So I agree with you there. And I also was thinking about the whole superpower, superpower thing where really that's not the, it, it is both the backbone of the story, but also not important. The character development is what Logan is about. And the, and the conversations between Patrick Stewart and Logan, or between Professor Xavier and Logan and X-23, that's really the backbone of the film, even though it's a superhero movie. So I think moving into our spoiler portion of this, if you guys haven't seen it now, would probably be a good time to tune out until next time. But moving into the spoiler portion, uh, I'm just going to get the most obvious stuff out of the way when we talk about the fact that this is a send-off for both Jackman and Xavier. While it may not necessarily exist in the same timeline as any of or all of the other X-Men films, and, and it potentially could too because there are some references to stuff that happened in those movies that makes me think it does, uh, obviously Xavier and Logan are dead. Or at least that's how it seems. So Xavier has been killed, Logan has been killed, their characters are done. Now, both of them, as far as like, you know, Deus Ex Machina kind of resurrection comic book style, could potentially come back. You know, Logan can heal himself. We could get some pseudo Superman thing where he regenerates in the ground and he's not really dead. And then Patrick Stewart pulls an X-Men 3 Last Stand where his mind has gone into the ethos and will come back in someone else's body. But you get the sense that this is pretty ultimate for both of the characters. They're older actors at least as far as Hollywood's concerned, Patrick Stewart is is probably in his 70s, if not 80s. And Hugh Jackman, is, while he's in great shape, is still not a 20-year-old. So you get the sense that this is it for them. And it's it was a really good send-off. You know, at the end when X-23 comes up to the grave, and I, I had just kind of been holding back the whole movie, not necessarily on the fence of crying, but, you know, getting choked up at certain points. And she picks up the cross and turns it sideways into an X at his grave, and then just walks away, and that's the end of the film. Like, that was perfect. It was such a good ending to a fantastic film with just the best characters, and I was extremely satisfied with how they ended it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what the, uh, where to even begin with this? For I, I guess I should say, like, I was holding back tears for a lot of the... I can't even say like the rise, like the falling action of this film, right? Because like the climax is almost right at the end, you know? So when Xavier dies, I cried. And then, you know, later on, like I, I didn't cry initially when it happened. I think I was still in shock. And you still have this like, you know, for, for a couple of seconds there, you're confused about exactly what happens because it looks like Logan killed him. And then you find out that it's this X-24 mutant that they developed to be like this mindless rage-filled, perfect clone of Logan because X-23 was too willful and that's the, the lesson they took out of it was that they needed to make this mindless killing machine instead. So, you know, I think that confusion kind of like stifled my emotions for a second. But when they were laying Xavier to rest, 
and Logan was like trying to come up with words to say and he really couldn't come up with anything better than, you know, at least he's by water, you know, like at least he's got water. Yeah, that was definitely an all the feels moment right there. When when Hugh Jackman is choking up, just this ripped, muscly bro, and he's just dying. And he's such a straight shooter, too. You know, he's such an asshole, and he can't even hold it together. Because it really is like his dad died, you know. They, they, they build that up, and it's like not only his best friend, but someone he loves. Like if, if there was anyone... Wolverine loved it was Professor Xavier and all that he owed him and he kind of let I feel, I feel like he gets the sense that he let him die or let him down I, I was confused a little bit when I was watching this film about whether or not the jabs that Xavier was making at Wolverine's expense were like sincere whether he really thought of Logan as a failure or you know whether or not it was just kind of like this senile dementia. He's old and crotchety and doesn't really mean what he's saying. I think part of it, too, is is Xavier's not really aware. Um, because of these seizures he's been having, whether they're causing the dementia or whether he has dementia or Alzheimer's in addition to the seizure issue, you know, he's lost a lot of memory and the drugs that he's taking as well to suppress the seizures are kind of keeping some of those memories down. And so Xavier, all, all he really knows about the rest of the X-Men and mutants in general is that there was this, you know, kind of horrific event or series of events where they're basically all killed and somehow Logan makes it out. And I think that because Xavier doesn't have all the answers because of his mental faculties, he's kind of blaming that on Logan. You know, like, either in a weird kind of, like, backward survival get, like, you should have died too, or you should have died instead of them, or you should have saved them or done more to help them, and that's why you're a failure to me. It, which is, is really, you know, it really is sad and, and kind of cruel. And then at the end, not the end end, but at, at Xavier's end, when his mental faculties have kind of returned to him for a split second of, of clarity, and he realizes that it wasn't Logan's fault at all, and that it was actually his fault that all those people died. And in that, like, last moment of absolution, it's it's almost like if Logan were there, like, Logan could have gotten that closure and known that Xavier forgave him, but that he wasn't there because it was X-24 and X-24 killed him. So, like, it was even more tragic because Xavier died and Logan still just had that feeling that, like, he hated me or resented me or I let him down. So, you know, Logan in the comic books and everything, like, he's always been a tragic character. And I'm really glad that they didn't try to give him some kind of like sappy Hollywood send off where everything's going to be okay for him in the end. For a while there, I was kind of worried about that when they were up in the mountains and he chooses to pursue the kids. Um, there's a sense of urgency because you see that, you know, this evil force um, is, is coming after them. But there's also, like, this moment where you're like, well, maybe they'll win. And maybe he'll just, like, be the Professor X to these kids going forward in Canada sort of thing, you know? Yeah, when he when he takes that serum uh, and you see how well it affects the other Logan or the X-24, you kind of get the idea in the back of your head, like, well, maybe 
you know, hey, don't take the whole thing. But if he does take this whole bottle of serum, it'll just totally eliminate all the problems he's having. We'll get this youthful Logan. And there's like this 10 minute period of bliss where you just hear him screaming. And then like X-23 turns around and there's just roided up Logan rampaging through the forest, just chopping people's heads off left and right. And you're like, fuck yeah, man, this is Logan. And then you get dragged back down like five minutes later when it wears off and he's limping and he's all busted up and he can't really hold himself up. So I think they sold that aspect of the character really well because you've come to know Logan as this juggernaut where he's going up to Jean Grey, killing Jean Grey as the Phoenix Force is ripping his flesh off and he's healing. And then in this film, you know, he he can barely walk, let alone run, and he's the last bastion of mutant hope or one of the last bastions of mutant hope and he's a limousine driver. So they've definitely done a good job of selling the, oh, how the mighty have fallen kind of plot point and really putting him and Xavier on their uh, on the defense, I guess, against the whole world that hates mutants. Um, I'm both happy and a little disappointed that there isn't more backstory as to what happened because aside from like reading comic books, the plot of the film is is essentially revealed at the end to how they got to that point, right? Where like, somehow this scientist has genetically engineered everything on earth, like food, water, drinks, oxygen, whatever to eliminate mutation. So people no longer mutate because their corn syrup doesn't let them mutate, which is okay, but it doesn't necessarily flesh out how all the X-Men or all the mutants have died outside of this handful that are left other than maybe they were hunted or whatnot. And I guess I just want to know I, I was under the impression this was a separate story, and I still think it could be. But, you know, when the, in the scene when Professor Xavier says, when I found you, you were making a career as a cage fighter. And I'm like, well, shit, that's the very first X-Men film from 20 years ago. And I was just thinking, like, is this in the same universe? And then Days of Future Past and First Class kind of F that up. But I don't know where you were on that, if you had any more insight. I think it's completely in the same universe because days of future past fixed the timeline and kind of reset x two and three to the point where like phoenix the phoenix saga didn't happen or if it happened at least it didn't go down the way that it did in the movies and xavier lives so he wasn't killed by gene like he was in x3 so you know that that's how he got to his ripe old age so it does fall in line with all those movies as far as the the timeline and canon goes and this movie is set so far in the future of the current timeline because they're still back in the i want to say 80s with apocalypse maybe the 90s um so they've got like another 30 or so years to catch up with what i think logan was set in like 2025 or 2029 or something like that yeah 2029 so they've got like 40 years in between apocalypse and now Right, so they've got a ton of time to play with um, to develop any of the other characters that they have in the previous franchises, um, or, or rather in the Days of Future Past franchise, first class franchise, whatever. And that's kind of like where one of my nervous points is, right, is Logan wasn't necessarily, I mean, he was in Days of Future Past a main character, right? But in the other movies, he was kind of just a cameo. And so... I don't know if they'll, like, you know, cajole him to do a couple shirt-on cameos for the movies going forward so that, you know, in that 40-year gap, Jackman is still Logan and that's still the continuity that we have. Or whether or not they'll... 
decide that they really need Wolverine for the first class cast and try to recast him, which I think would be a huge mistake. I think they just kind of need to let that character go. There are so many other interesting mutants that they could pull on within the X-Men, but also without, you know, the X-Men that I think that they could, you know, still have plenty of material in these 40 years to cover without having to to recast and throw him in there or or do the same thing with Xavier and kind of throw him back in there. Uh, I mean, Xavier is in those movies as in the younger version. I just mean like if they were to use an older version of the character again. Yeah, but to be to be fair, like if you look at the X-Men franchise or any of these superhero franchises, most of them have a standout character. And even in like the animated series, their episodes about Storm and her family in Africa and their episodes about Beast and whatnot. But really, some of these characters stand above the rest because of how they're created or just because of how people cling on to them. And Wolverine is hands down that character for X-Men. So even though they've done a good job with these other movies, you still get the sense that like Wolverine is the X-Men. And from a business standpoint, I could see why they'd want to continue that with another Wolverine or a younger Wolverine or however they end up doing it, if they do it at all. But, you know, it's like with the Avengers, you know, Iron Man is the Avengers because of Tony Stark or because of Robert Downey Jr. So I think it's the same kind of situation. It is a similar situation. Um, I would argue in the comic books that Logan is not the X-Men. And there are plenty of X-Men titles where he is a secondary character or not even in it at all. I would say the more contiguous characters are actually like Cyclops, Professor X, and Emma Frost even are actually a little more pivotal to a lot of the storylines and are a lot more uh, present. I think, you know, we got, like you said, from a business standpoint, because of the success of Jackman in this role, you know, it just escalated and they made everything about Wolverine. Even even the cartoon shows that they were running changed, you know, and it was Wolverine and the X-Men. And they made him like this titular figure. But in the comic books, he's not really that. You know, he's not the leader of the X-Men. He's not necessarily... While he's got a really cool storyline with the Weapon X project, he is not the end-all be-all. There are much longer character arcs around the Phoenix Saga with Jean Grey. There are much longer character arcs around all of the genetic manipulation of the Summers brothers uh, with Havoc and Cyclops and Vulcan. So I really hope that we see more of that going forward. Also, it looks like they're going to expand into other franchises um you know they've got deadpool coming out that's going to have cable in it with cable you get the possibility of an x-force movie um if they decide to do a spin-off as his character is is embraced well enough in that movie you also have the possibility of or not even the possibility the, the certainty of a new mutants movie is coming out so the new mutants you know have i think like Adam Warlock and Wolfsbane and several other characters that are, you know, it's like they're a different mutant team. Um, so they're going to start, you know, they're going to at least have one of those movies. And you know what Hollywood's doing right now. If there's going to be one, there's going to be three. So, you know, I, th- I think they are branching out. And I think they, they have so much media to cover, you know, so much ground uh, that they don't really need to rely on as awesome as he's been and and they both have been amazing and i could not imagine the x-men now without patrick stewart as xavier or or logan as wolverine but i could imagine a world where those characters aren't needed 
to advance the plot. Yeah, well, it was definitely a big step forward in the fact that they killed off two of their main characters. And and you specifically, I think, remember saying something about this in one of our past podcasts about how franchises are so afraid to kill their characters because you feel like that is not necessarily what your audience wants. But a lot of times that's part of a good story. So I think that was kind of a step in the right direction of saying, like, hey, we're open to other stories within this universe because we don't have these two to tell anymore. But time will tell. So at the end of the day, the, the takeaway here is really just that you owe it to yourself, not not just if you're a fan of superhero movies or X-Men or action movies. If you like a good story and you're okay with the violence, then you really should go see Logan because it's it's a great story. So, you know, hats off to James Mangold and the cast that put that together. And and hopefully we see more of that going forward. Um, you know, more risks being taken. If, if you can consider that a risk, you know, it's like the 10th film in a series, but as far as being rated R and taking kind of the adult mix of, of violence and, and throwing a child in there really and talking about really kind of intense elements was a good job. So I think we'll leave that there for now and maybe get back to you guys if some more surfaces because of Logan. You know, we get some more Marvel announcements. But either way, thank you everyone for joining us. That's going to be all for our show today. I'm your host, Philip, And I'm your other host, Jacob. And we are the Balmora Brothers signing off.